Hello. Beck McIntosh is a naturopath and practitioner of alternative medicine based in Toronto. She started her work to help and support her own son in his journey of healing. And she's since gone on to help countless individuals to show them how to align their physical, mental and spiritual bodies as one. I connected with Beck through a fantastic musician called Josh McIntosh, who worked on my next album. And uh, he told me all about her and said that I should probably have a chat. And after 45 minutes talking to her, I, I realized just how healing person she is. I think you'll probably get that too when you hear what she has to say. Uh, if you're looking for hope, optimism, or just a higher frequency than you're getting in your day-to-day -day life, Beck is uh, the right person to listen to. So really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Absolutely, wherever possible at the moment. Are you enjoying a gorgeous day? <laughs> I am enjoying this. I've got to tell you, my my spirit leaps when the sun comes out. It's just, it makes all the difference. But anyway, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Super connected conversations. And wow, um, we were going to do this a year ago. Yeah. But, and then it, it, I think it was probably the same for you as it was for me. Just really complicated to to manage anything once yeah. we got thrown into the pandemic uh, lockdowns. Yeah. Um, so I just want to get a sense of it's really early in the morning. Are you in Toronto? Where you are? I am. It's not really early for me. I'm a five a.m. waker. Ah. So. I, so I have been I, for I the last few days. By eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, when I contacted you, um, obviously through uh, Ben and through Josh, which we'll talk about as we go on, uh, <laughs> our, we'll talk about our connection as well. But yeah. I just wrote to you in a kind of slightly haphazard style, which the other guests will will recognise that I, I've been interviewing or talking, not, not really an interview, just having a chat. Uh, I just sort of get the the sense that you're looking at similar parts of our lives um, that that um, and you know like the way we connect online, the way we connect in real life, um, and and what's happening to us and how that's evolving now with sort of yeah you know ne nearly two decades of social media and all that kind of stuff. So. What what? How did you start your work? Your work is I'm, I'm going to say. It, healing <laughs> yes place i mean i know because you you cover a lot but do, do you want to talk about what what it is you do so that you know people watching and listening to this uh hearing about you for the first time get a sense yeah from the horse i i dove into healing about 15 years ago uh thankfully i had a son who really needed an incredible support and it required that we go fire out of the box to begin to uncover what was going to be best for his life. Mm. And in that process, it led me into the path of studying naturopathy in the classical setting of it. And then that drove me straight into working in energetics 
So I began studying Reiki, techniques called body talk, working with practitioners of all kinds, working with crystals, and in the development of that, discovering how much human potential has to unfold and come into its own healing form. Mm. So at this point in time, my work is more of translating your body to you. And so I get to be the go-between where we dive in, we get to see what is going on, unlocking what are the key priorities, what are the roots of things happening, whether it's in emotions or whether it's in uh, traumatic experiences or whether it's in actual physical issues and begin to unravel what that story is. And people are the ones healing themselves. So. I simply get to hold the space and hold the container that gives them that opportunity. Wow, what a brilliant um, um, introduction you've given yourself. Um, and and really interesting because uh, I'd say more than half of the uh, uh, guests that I've had on, on this show so far have all said something about their work and their passion that involves helping other people to connect to themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you're 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 doing as well. Yeah. And how did you how did you begin in that work out of interest? What what's what and there's often a community that goes with a type of work that you do. Did yeah. you were you born into it? Or did you did you want to find it? Did you have to find it? I was actually born into a really incredible family where my father was a pastor in an inner city church in Toronto. Uh, we joke that he was terrible at being a pastor in the sense that he never sought a pulpit, but rather he worked with the community. So he was a social worker. And we worked with a lot of people, uh, with my family, with homeless communities, with single family communities, in more um, welfare environments. So I was exposed to a vast array of lifestyle situations, of cultures, of, well, caste systems that existed Mm -hmm. when I was growing up. And in seeing that Mm -hmm. kind of help and support and recognizing the individual, it really shaped me and formed me. In that setting, I was also raised within the faith base where there was a lot of prophetic work. So prophetic is translated in different cultures into psychic or intuitive, but in that form, it's called prophetic. And it's something that I discovered that I had the ability to connect to when I was quite young. I could meet people and see things and understand things. I didn't have really the context or the understanding as to what I could do with it at that point. And later on, as I entered into my early 30s, I really didn't want to keep having that. I, I really wanted to focus on the naturopathic way of taking the time and analyzing and utilizing all of the forms of food and nutrition that could transform a life. And I really tried to shut down that intuitive part of me that I had. Mm. In doing that, I ended up falling apart and creating my own unraveling, which is the greatest gift anybody can have is to be in the dark night of the soul. (laughs) And in that transformation of the dark night of the soul, I began to seek out practices that were outside of anything I'd experienced before in order to really step into new levels of my own healing 
since the traditional models weren't working for me. It mm -hmm. wasn't creating the healing platform that I needed. Yeah. And as I began to work with these energy practitioners, I saw how much of the intuition that I decided to block off was actually where my healing was rooted wow. and how accessing that for myself allowed me a portal into accessing that for others. And so it was this beautiful community that I didn't have created for me, but it was, of course, serendipitously exactly who I needed when I needed them often taking me under their beautiful wings to help guide and share and teach and gaining those kind of um, collective of skills mm. allowed me to then begin to work with other people using that. But over time, it of course becomes its own thing. So at this point in time, it, it works within that history that I have of the prophetic that now looks like leaning into intuition. I call it intuitive healing. And it gives me the insight into what's happening with people. So as soon as I'm working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, I'm able to understand things about them and know things about them that they themselves might not have even wanted to see yet. Mm. And it's not to give information without transformation. It's actually to give us the pathway to create a healing. And that's what happened for me was as I was working with these different practitioners, as I stepped into my own area of gifting, I began to see this unfold and become something quite profound. But it it really was the gift of my family and the gift of seeing others. That is why that drive to help people even exists. Mm. You, it, 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 I can listen to you talk. You could do a podcast on your own. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you mentioned the dark night of the soul being a great, you know, it's a great gift when we go through um, the darker uh, parts of our life. Um, I think I've probably had quite a few dark nights of my soul, um, not for a long time, thankfully. But um, it reminded me of the fact that we've all collectively been through a kind of dark night recently, which recently, which feels, you know, with the pandemic, like it feels that we, we might be um reaching um a, a new space with a bit more light in it i think uh over here in the uk i don't know what it's like there in toronto um but in in terms of go, having to go through this uh i think it's referred to as shadow work sometimes it's going into mm -hmm. the, the the gritty areas that we normally try to hide from um or there are parts of our lives that we'll try to hide in those shadows um do, do you get a sense that um, with the pandemic that we've uh, we've kind of gone into two groups? So there's one group of people that have found a lot and it's been great. And then there's another group of individuals who probably are very, very lost and, and searching uh, in a way to find themselves, which they weren't doing beforehand. Yeah, I, I completely agree that it's shadow work. I think the, the interesting thing is we so often want to hide our shadows or we want to cut off from them. And in fact, they can be our greatest guides and our greatest teachers if we sit with them. And so there's this real desperation that we've created of avoiding suffering at all costs. Mm. And realistically, this last year, we can't avoid suffering anymore and we can't avoid seeing other people's suffering. So while you do have that collective of 
the the percentage of people who are thriving in this and probably thriving off of it. So the suffering of others enhances their experience, which is very parasitic in its behavior. They're going through their own suffering by creating that. And that's something that I think we we need to begin to recognize is no one gets to avoid suffering in this process, even those who appear to be outside of it, because that kind of behavior actually leads to your own soul feeling detached from humanity. And when you feel detached from humanity, that's painful. And then you have, in contrast, the people who are so fearful of humanity at this point in time, who are so trapped in narratives of mental torment and anguish and isolation that their isolation is creating the pain. And at the end of the day, it's a collective chance to rise. It's a collective chance to shift. As pain becomes so predominant, Mm -hmm. so does healing and its equivalent. It's a recognition that when people are in fear, at the end of the day, there's no detaching that from your body's experience. When you create fear, ironically, viruses thrive on fear. Absolutely Mm -hmm. thrive on fear. In the same way, bacteria feeds on anger energetically. When you're in fear, you create imbalance in your kidneys and your detoxification pathways. As we see people grieving the life that they've lost or had to transform or had to release, that impacts the lungs of all things. And so it's it's a difficult time. It's a heartbreaking time when we see how people are having to endure this, how children are having to endure this when they're not in safe environments, how families are having to endure this when they lose their homes, all of these different scenarios. And yet, And yet I have never seen a greater opportunity for people to stand in their power. For those areas to begin to be unlocked, for restoration to happen, for them to recognize that their connection to one another is actually the portal into their thriving and their success. So yes, it's been the most challenging year, but this has done something for our world that all of the healers collectively together working in unity could not have created. And so it's causing everybody who is meant to step into their healing abilities, who is meant to be a light bringer on the planet to really own that and move forward in their communities in it. So it's, Hmm. it's exciting, but it's when you embrace the dark night of the soul. It's when you see your shadow and recognize it's not to be severed, it's to be embraced. What it needs is the affection and attention because it wasn't created to harm you. It was created often as a protective method. And it starts young. It comes from our, our imprinting and our subconscious in those early years. It comes from the experiences of social interaction that are challenging as we grow up. It comes from our ancestral traumas. <laughs> you mentioned food and nutrition beforehand. So, um in terms of you know our well-being obviously and i'm just wondering before we get on to technology which is a big part of these uh conversations mm-hmm. is is food do you if if this is a huge part of your work uh in terms of healing um you must have a you know a, a kind of a, a strange view of the way food is um 
consumed <laughs> these days in this era. Um, how do you, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Because of course, I, I say this. I'm lucky. I can. I know how to cook, and I and I'm. I, I was my first job was as a chef, and so I, I'm quite good at looking after myself where food is concerned. <laughs> but I know that's not the same for lots of other people. Um, what What's your thoughts on the way that the world is telling us to to eat? I think we've never done a greater disservice to people as is being done right now. This chance where you have so many eyes staring at screens, where you have so many ears open to being educated and taught, we're focusing on these Band-Aid solutions when mm. the root cause is establishing an environment within your body that leads you into the greatest state of being. And food is the participation we get to take in life with that. It's it's our fuel, it's an energetic exchange that is continuously happening every day. So sourcing foods that have no life to them don't lead to life within the body. Mm. If you're consuming and engaging with foods that have life to them, or even that have people who have life in them creating them. I don't know if you have that in Canada. We've had it in the UK for years that you are what you eat. I mean, yeah. it, it's quite, it's quite literal. Yeah. Well, and even more than that, you are what you assimilate. So if you're mm. eating food that doesn't have nutrients in it, enzymes in it, if it's not alive, the chance for our bodies to begin to break that down and even utilize what nutrients are added to it is really suppressed and low. Whereas if you're engaging in a living food environment, in a living food um, potential, fresh foods, plant-based um, even if you're going to eat meat, eating it from beautiful sources, mm -hmm. then your body has a chance to even assimilate what you're consuming. So the and, education needs to go deeper. And this is this is another um, form of connection, isn't it, in terms of the planet itself uh, yeah. with us, and 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 that relationship is 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 not sort of consummated in any stronger way than what goes out of the earth and, and what we put into our bodies that come out of it. Is that right? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and we're one with the planet. If you, if you consider that we are filled with viruses, bacteria, fungi, and then we become at some point fungi again to consume from those sources, from the earth, from the soil, is the ultimate point of connection to leaving us feeling aligned in life. So when you cut away from your engagement with earth in your consumption and make it mechanical and make your food come from technology-based substances, that's where we see the damage. Mm. And I suppose your work before uh, the pandemic uh, would have been, you know, in, in spaces in, with people, right? Yeah. And um, yeah. and has that changed? Have you been working like many others on Zoom and stuff like that? Yes, it took a shift. I've always had online people, gratefully, because I do work in different places. And so I've had internationals. And it's been a lot of joy to work with them online. But something really shifted dramatically. And I'm sure you've seen this as well, that the connectability of human interaction enhanced so much more, probably about three months after everything began to shut down. It wasn't immediate. There was a lot of numbing that came in, mm. um, definitely missing the hands-on. But 
I've discovered two things. One is, is the hands-on feeds me. I love human connection. I love human touch. I love going into somebody's space and seeing what's happening in it. And there's something really spectacular when you transform in your own space. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful, but I've also recognized there's a superpower to doing it in an online platform because it takes me out of the role as being the one who created the healing and it puts each individual in the role of being the one who's healing. You become much more of a facilitator, don't you, if you're doing it online, yeah. Yes, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see in a moment when somebody is sitting with me and there's a screen between us that they recognize there's no separation with energy. All is connected mm. instantaneously. As soon, as soon as my thought is towards someone, I'm with that person. Mm. And that happens across any distance. It's an illusion to think that we're separate. So, so as your experience has been pretty good then in the last year in terms of you know the healing work that you're doing, yeah. Has it been pretty good on across the screens? It it has. There was a quiet slowdown um, where I started to wonder what this was going to do for my personal life. I wondered how it was going to shape my practice, how it was mm. going to change. I actually didn't have the awareness of some of the potential of healing transformation that could even exist online. Yeah. So I had my own limitations at the beginning, but it's unusual and I recognize it's not available to everybody at all moments, but I think we have the opportunity at any moment in time to live in a different timeline than the one we're told we have to live in. Yeah. And so yeah. you can pick a higher timeline, even as you recognize the suffering of the world and things happening and restrictions and rules and limitations, you can live without them. Now our connection it's very interesting because it, you know, of course, your your sweetheart Josh um, <laughs> is, um, you know, he's 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 playing on on my album Super Connected, you know, which I don't know if it'll be out when this when this is out, but anyway, I can talk about it now. But um, and the first connection I had with him was literally walking into a studio in Toronto, uh, forty five minutes after getting off an airplane from from London. And just getting in and, and and making music with him on this song, which I've carried around for quite a long time without any drums on it, and it was just so weird. I, I know drummers, great drummers in London, uh, didn't connect like that. Just happened <laughs> immediately, and uh, and 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 forged a, a really lovely friendship, which I hope we can carry on again in real places. Uh, well, we've been on Clubhouse together a few times. It's just great to hear his voice, um, and. And then, of course, when I talked about uh, the, the the entire Super Connected project, which is you know the album and the film and the, the these these actual conversations, uh, and he said, that, I think it was Ben actually that said uh, that we should talk. And I can see now this is absolutely uh, the, the the key to your work, isn't it? Is making connections for people to have with themselves and and others, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's our design. It's how we are formed to exist in the world is with connection. And it's always with 
there's always the opportunity for the right connection. Because in a world of 7 billion, I mean, sometimes I think I'm going to blink and it's going to be at 10 billion because, you know, I blinked. But with so many people on the planet and in the environments we create, we we design these communities where we feel like we have to be connected mm. with the people who we're stuck with. And at the end of the day, the most incredible thing is when we release those expectations and allow ourselves, like you were saying, with having known so many drummers who <laughs> are so good, as I'm sure you've got an endless roster of talented music. Not endless, but I've got a few beautiful <laughs> ones. I've been lucky. <laughs> Probably more endless than most. <laughs> but you you have those, and yet there's always the most aligned connection. There's always the, the frequency that you can meet in somebody else that brings you into greater harmony and greater balance. And when you begin to design your life with understanding that you can live with greater connection, with more designed and intentional connection, not just with people who fit because they happen to be there, but with people who fit because they're resonating with you, mm. that's when the connectivity becomes really, really profound. Mm. It's anyway, you describe it like music. It is that um, the resonance and 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 harmony, I suppose. Um, but um, every story has its baddies. I've been, I've been um, uh, probably um, a little bit unfair on on technology in some of the conversations I've had. Um, but I don't see technology as a as a bad thing. But I, I do see the propagators and the corporations uh, that are in charge of a lot of it as as absolutely baddies you know um do you do you have do you have how do you it's clear that you live a very holistic life right and and you know you're very aware of vibration and, and your spirituality um mm -hmm. in what you do particularly uh, how do you navigate your way through the knowledge that there are you know organizations corporations that are taking advantage a lot of the time of uh, those those of us that are finding our way spiritually and then we get stuck because of a kind of uh well an algorithm a program a manipulation of what you what people think you should buy whatever it is that's coming through the screens that's not that good for us and there are some things that are good i really feel like like staying in touch with with people that you love there's there's many good things about screen time uh, but there's there's you're never that far away from a massive corporation who, who uh -huh. aren't really thinking about what's good for you how do you navigate that in in the kind of life and and work that you do it's this year has taught me more than any previous year um i would say i lived numb to it not that i wasn't aware of it but where i just didn't have to face a lot of it previously I'm the person who, if you ask me what the world is going to be like in a hundred years, are there going to be spaceships or are we going to be in wagons? There's a part of me that really hopes we're going to be in wagons yeah. <laughs> because I love that connection. I love creating an immediate community on your location. I love traveling locally even. Uh, there's something so beautiful about that tangibility in life that we lose with technology where 
we feel like we're meeting with another, but there's glass in front of us Mm. that's blocking us from seeing the full picture. And then there's also the illusion that gets created because of presenting the highlight reels in life instead of the authenticity of life. And, and I've been one my whole life to try and burn down anything that is inauthentic. If it seems inauthentic, I'm the one lighting the match you know, flailing the torch and trying to take it down at its roots. <laughs> You're braver than I am. I, I I've just, had to tone down a little. <laughs> I, I run away. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it's really, really a profound opportunity for us to begin to see a few things. The first is that uh, I believe we have, we have aura. We all have auric layers to our bodies. We have these um, connection points where we feel ourselves. It's that that distance in that, you know, six inches away from your body where when somebody gets close to you, you feel them in your space before you can even see them in your space. Mm. Um, it's why often people will shut down in crowds because there's that. It's also why when a powerful musician gets on stage and is performing and the whole crowd is engaged, they can actually expand their aura so fast and bring people in. And there's there's this beautiful, I don't want to say manipulation because when it's good, it's not manipul- manipulation, but you can have it be bad where somebody manipulates a crowd in their mm. work field. And because of the world we live in, I've had this concept for a number of years where I believe we also have a technology layer within our aura where we can adapt ourselves to be balanced out to the technology we need to integrate. So not everybody is going to have to integrate certain technologies. There are people who are designed, who are drawn to just work with the earth and not touch any form of technology. Those people haven't developed that and don't have the need to develop that within their orc layer to keep them functioning within that technology. Then you have others who are so consumed by it, they're not able to develop their spiritual bodies. They're not able to take care of their physical bodies. So their auric layers are overwhelmed with technology and thus suppressing their health. And then there's the opportunity for awareness where you can both integrate the development of your spiritual balance, of your physical balance, your mental balance, and integrate technology, but that requires really healthy boundaries around it. But also non-attachment. When we get overly attached to the anger at the technology, we're actually feeding the beast. We're we're feeding that that very low frequency of, of trauma that it creates. Whereas when we go I have an opportunity here to connect to other people, to create a bigger space with my work in the world, to impact more individuals like you do with music. That becomes powerful with technology. And when you don't resist what comes with it, but rather recognize that you running it at a higher frequency has the ability to transform Mm. it just in running at a higher frequency. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice, especially for somebody like me. I think I've been working my way towards uh, the idea of higher frequency 
uh, relationship with tech. <laughs> um, but I think I was lost uh, uh, with because of the the lack of audio. Uh, you know, I work with everything with sound. You know, even now I'm, I'm probably you know when I listen to you, uh, it's it's everything that you're saying is is resonating. Not even just in the meaning, but yeah. in the way you're saying it. Um, and so that's why I I probably. Uh, started this project as a quite a violent reaction to tech and social media yeah. and through it uh, finding out ways that I can work with it <laughs> more productively but especially since Clubhouse came on and we can <laughs> hear and speak stuff instead of you know I, I, I always I just still find it strange the kind of photo liking and such mm -hmm. weird silent communicative mm -hmm. device. but sound is um but is, imagine if sure. if everyone if everyone could understand how shifting into that resonance if everyone then shared that higher resonance on those platforms it would infiltrate and transform it instantaneously that is the potential yeah of humanity yeah i'm with you i'm with you how do we inspire that by doing it ourselves i guess <laughs> it's contagious it's absolutely contagious yeah. when you're when you're with and engaged with somebody who makes you feel more whole in yourself you yourself want to inspire that in others mm. and so we need to make that the contagion yeah that's a great a great idea <laughs> i'll happily make that the pandemic <laughs> yeah right everybody needs to get infected by that bug for sure wow gosh it's it's um and 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 at the moment uh are you working with indi any individuals just interested obviously don't talk about them personally but um just do you have experience of people who uh, have been struggling with tech addiction or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. It comes up continuously for people. Um, and usually it's it's creating a negative interaction in their lives. It's creating a disconnection from the humans they do have in their spaces, their families, their direct relationships. Um, but it also shifts. Uh, something that I've recognized as well is that we can transform instantaneously. Trauma doesn't take 10 years to be moved through our bodies. Addiction doesn't take a decade. It takes a moment. And with observation, it is so quickly transformed. Mm -hmm. And then you get to remove the habit and begin to unwind the habit that's attached to that behavior. So tech addiction isn't really strong. It's it's deceiving that it is, but it's not. Uh, that's, again, um, the very optimistic, positive view you have. <laughs> it's so good to speak to you finally and, and, hear, and hear you more. To, <laughs> to just um, to get that, what I look, I look for. I think in these conversations, I'm greedy. I just want more guidance from as many <laughs> clever, uh, intuitive people as I can meet. I love um, it. <laughs> Uh, it's um it's really wonderful to connect with you finally uh I, you have a website don't you i do yeah it's i'm gonna name. put it i'm gonna put it in afterwards and uh, 
in the um, in the video, and it'll be on the link of the podcast as well. Because I I think I have a lot of friends even that would really find your perspective on the world at the moment really helpful. Yeah. Uh, Listen, um, yeah, will you come back? Can we, I'm, I'm thinking of doing two conversations with everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd Lovely. love to chat to you again, Tim. It's such a joy to finally meet you, John. You do. We all know how Ben feels about you. <laughs> I know. I miss my buddy. Uh, he's, yeah, he's my, he's my Canadian brother. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> oh. But listen, lots of love to you and the family. And hopefully uh, soon we'll get together in the same space <laughs> safely and, and um, you know, majestically. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, take care. Lots of love. Bye.